Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who is great. We thank you that you are a God who invites us to know you and do life with you. I pray that you would help us, encourage our hearts, strengthen our minds, direct us towards you one more time to be the men and women you've created us to be. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Erno Rubik was an architect in Hungary in about the mid-1970s, and he wanted a way to model three-dimensional movements so that students would be able to understand the concept of it better. So he spent months and months tinkering. He used wood and paper and rubber bands and glue, paper clips, trying to make this idea of a three-dimensional cube that showed movement to help his students understand better. He worked until he came up with what he called a magic cube, and it eventually became what we have today. We know it as the Rubik's Cube. And the puzzle is solved. If you've ever tried to tinker around with a Rubik's Cube before, you twist it, trying to get each side all to show one specific color. They got really smart. Remember when you could peel the stickers off and just cheat? Now they're like the colored cube, so you can't peel the stickers off anymore. It turns out there are 43 quintillion variations to solving the puzzle of the Rubik's Cube. And it's interesting because it was created by someone. There's a way to solve it. There's a solution. And for some of us, it's more challenging than others. Lots of people spend lots of time. There's been books written, videos made, shortcuts, hours and hours into the best way, the quickest way, the pictures, the different things you can do to solve the Rubik's Cube. It's interesting because somebody created this idea, this puzzle, this fun game to create this concept that can figure out how to do it. Some have figured it out. Some of us, not naming names, have never been able to do it or enough of the right turns. Or like I said, now they got smart. You can't take the stickers off anymore. But it's interesting because it's a puzzle that's while tricky, it can be solved. Now it's interesting because many of us think of God like a Rubik's Cube, a puzzle to be solved. And if we just have enough twists and enough turns and enough variations, we can figure it all out in the end and understand how it works. We look at life as a Rubik's Cube, a puzzle that we're trying to solve. The, the challenge is a Rubik's Cube was created. It can be understood. God hasn't been created. So we have a much harder time understanding so something that's been made by a human being can be explained by a human being. They created it. They have a process. They can tell you how it works, no matter how challenging it might be. God was not created by human beings. In fact, the opposite, he created us. Because we didn't create God, we have a harder time working out and understanding who he is. We need help. We need direction. We need clues. We need hints to help us understand who he is. And instead of seeing him as a problem to be solved, God shows us himself in a way that can, we can understand. Not all of it. He's God. We can never know anything about this vast, awesome, amazing God, but he's given us enough to know who he is, that we can think about him and talk about him, that we can learn and grow with him and know him and love him. And one of the interesting ideas about who God is that people have been puzzling and puzzling over for years and years is the idea of God as a trinity. One place we see this pretty clearly is in Matthew chapter 3, and it's right in the beginning of um, Jesus entering into ministry, and he comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. 
That was interesting because John recognizes who Jesus is and he says, I am not the person, I am not the one who should be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus explains to John, like, this is how it's supposed to be, and John baptizes him. Now, imagine you're hanging out with your friends, and you're singing a song, and you are singing an artist that you love, and as you sing that song, that artist comes and sits down in front of you. You'd be a bit awed, right? Like, overwhelmed by the person, and you'd be like, I should be at your concert? Like, you should not be here listening to me. And that's kind of how John feels, but he followed Jesus' direction. And he says this in verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So here we have this moment where Jesus... The Son is fully God, fully human, getting baptized. And then you have the presence of the Spirit and the voice of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we have to ask ourselves, what does that mean? How does it work? It's not like anything else that we know, anything else that we can compare it to. And for years and years, many smart people and theologians have thought over this big idea. They've puzzled through this idea about God that you can think through on such high intellectual levels. But it's also something that can be understood on a practical level. What does God as a trinity help us know about him? How does knowing God as a trinity change anything for us or teach us or grow us or help us know anything? So we're going to look at that a little bit closer today. The word trinity comes from the Latin word trinitas, which means three and one. This is where our minds start to, like, get a mental exercise. God is three in one. He's one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They all have unity, but they have distinction as well. One essence, three person. One God who is eternally Father, Son, and Spirit. And we understand them by the works that they do. They're united in essence, but they're distinct in their work. So what do we know about each person of the Trinity? Here's what we know, the three persons. Number one, God is the Father. Everything begins with God. He initiates everything. Everything good flows from him. He's the creator of everything we know. All authority, all power, all wisdom and justice are his. And one of the first things that we learn about God is that he created us in his image which means every one of us has this divine potential for good in us to live great and noble lives, to show love and compassion, to be gracious and kind because we've been made in the image of an awesome God. But here's the important thing. If God created us in his image, we are known and loved by a God who is for us, not against us. A God who chooses us and finds us and includes us. A God who looks at us and says, you're mine. You get to know me as a father and how a father loves his kids. That's who I am. God is for us. And then we know this because of Jesus, the son, who came into the world to be God with us. Our best understanding, our clearest expression of God, we find in Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world to be God with us because what happens? We're human beings and we mess up and we come up short and we don't always get it right. But no matter how messy and broken our world might get, we don't break God's plan for you and I. 
Jesus came into the world and he gave his life for us that we might be saved and we might know God and we might have a relationship with our loving Father. Christ came into the world and he did this awesome exchange where he took the worst of us and he traded out with the best of himself. And he shows us the love and the grace that God has for people, the eternal compassion and patience that he has for you and I. If God is for us, Jesus loves us, which brings us to the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because throughout the Bible, there's different names to help us understand the Holy Spirit. He's known as a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a friend, a guide. And the Greek word for Holy Spirit gives us the image of somebody who's been called to somebody's side, called to give aid, to give somebody help. And that's how we understand the Holy Spirit. He comes alongside of us and directs us in the way that we should go. When we're struggling with what to do or what decision to make, and we're struggling with a choice or which direction to go, we have a Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us and help us with our choices. We have faith. We're able to think about God and know God because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We know God because the Spirit is at work. And he's teaching us love and compassion and courage and hope and generosity and kindness and humility and patience. God is for us. Jesus loves us. And the Holy Spirit is our guide and friend. These awesome ideas, these three ideas, help us know God and how he works. Woven together, one God in three persons. Whenever we're trying to figure out, I don't know who God is, or what do I know about God, here's three ideas that we can think about and cling to. God is for us. Jesus loves us, and we have a spirit to guide us and be our friend. So if we know them each by the persons, then how, as the Trinity, does this help us know God in a better way? This is so important to our understanding of God. God didn't create to get anything from us, but to give. So before we were created, before time began, God already existed. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed before we did. We were created, but God is the creator. We have a timeline that we can measure our life, our family, our history, our country, our world. We have measuring points. God is eternal. He's always been and always will be. We have these periods of time that we live, but God is eternal. Before we existed, God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed, and they shared a community of love and service. Before we even began, they already shared love and joy and service with one another. This is important because God didn't create us because he needed love. He already knew love in the Trinity. God didn't create us because he needed to be served. He already knew service in the Trinity. God didn't create us because he was lonely and just needed some people around. God created us to share community with us. God created not to get anything from us, but to give everything to us. Timothy Keller said it this way, God didn't create us to get the cosmic infinite joy of mutual love and glorification, but to share it. We were made to join the dance. 
We were designed not just for a belief in God in some general way, nor a vague kind of inspiration or spirituality. We were made to center our lives on him, to make the purpose and passion of our lives knowing, serving, and resembling him. He said, we believe the world was made by a God who is a community of persons who have loved each other for all eternity. You were made for a mutually self-giving, other-directed love. This gives us such a huge idea about who God is and who he's created us to be. Because God is a triune God, we were created to share community, service, and love. We were created to be in a community with each other. Life is better when we were together. Life was never meant to be done alone or off on an island or solo. It's better when we're with family and friends and the church and people around us who know us and love us and care for us. People who will do life with us when it's hard and when it's good and when we're trying to figure it out alone, that's when it feels undoable. But it's so much better when we have people standing with us helping us figure it out. We were created for community, to do life side by side with one another, to help each other and fill in the gaps for each other, to have fun together. And God gave us one another to challenge and encourage and learn and grow with to do this messy, adventurous life. God created us for community, and he also created us for service. It's easy to be selfish. It comes naturally to us to think about what we want and what we need. It's so much harder to serve. It's easy to put me first because that's what I'm always thinking about is me. I wake up thinking about me and I go to sleep thinking about me. It's so much harder to take the focus off of myself and put it outward. But it's also one of the most healthiest choices we could make. Life that's only focused on self is not healthy. You don't feel better when you spend hours and hours thinking about how terrible the world is and how terrible people are and everything that's been done that's horrible to you. But you do feel incredible when you get up and go and you take part in a service project and you help give back in your community, in your church, in your neighborhood, whatever needs to be done. Life is better when we're thinking about others, when we are giving self-giving, other-directed service. We were created to help, to make a difference. It doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are. It doesn't matter what grade we were in or what grade we finished. We all can serve. We all can help. We all have gifts and talents, and the church is at its best and healthiest when we all use our gifts and talents together to build up the body and be an awesome representation of who God is in our community. We can use these talents, these gifts, these strengths he's given us to serve one another, to serve our community, to serve our family, to serve in the church. Today is the best day to start serving. If you don't know where to start, start with your family. Ask how you can help. Start at home. Where can you pitch in to do something that needs to be done? Start in the church and see where you can plug in and what you can do to help. In your community, in your school, in your neighborhood, where can you start making a difference for good in the world? God created us for community, and he created us for service, and we were created for love. It's hard because in our language, we don't have great words for love. <laughs> we have one word that we use, and I talk about um, in the same way, and sometimes we think about, like, 
Valentine's Day and romantic and mushy and gushy, or we use the same word to say, I love candy, right? Like every, all this candy is going to be coming in over the weekend, or we love a certain kind of food, and they mean dramatically different things. The Greeks had better ways for talking about love. They had all these different words that represented different versions of love. And I want to talk about the love that they have as an action, as a choice. It was agape love, and it was the most noble, sacrificial, generous love that you could have. It was deep and constant, and it wasn't this good feeling that you had at good times, but it was choice and action and who you decided to be, no matter the circumstances or how you felt. This is the kind of love that we're called to share because God has loved us in generous and sacrificial ways. What we know about God is an overwhelming, awesome amount of love. And if God created us to be in this relationship of love, we get to take that love and share it with others. We get to treat others in generous ways. We get to serve one another and make sacrifices for the good of others. The truth is we can choose to be loving even when we don't feel our, we don't feel loving, we don't feel mushy-gushy, we don't feel our way into loving, but we do act our way to do it. We choose to love even when it's not easy or we don't feel loving. Now here's what's interesting. The word love is used 686 times in the Bible because it matters that much. When everything is taken away and you take everything down to the bare bones and all the fluff and all the extra is stripped away, here's what remains. Faith, hope, and love. And we're told that the greatest of these all is love. Jen Hatmaker said, no one is unlovable. We were literally created by love, with love, and for love by a God who loves us and is love itself. Its extravagance is almost embarrassing. And this love is not just for one type of person the world finds acceptable. It's for all of us. I love that. We were created by love for love. God didn't have to create us, but he chose to. God didn't create us to get anything else from us. And there's no other creation story that you find that in. God created us and put his image stamped in our hearts and in who we are to share community, service, and love. And everyone is lovable. You, me, our families, our neighbors, our friends, our not friends, the people who make us a little bit frustrated and grouchy, all lovable. God loves us freely, graciously, and generously. And is that love of God that we find in Jesus Christ and know about through the work of the Spirit that makes all the difference in our lives. We've been loved into being who we are today. We don't have to prove that we're lovable. We don't have to show our report card to God and say, look at all the good things I did. Aren't I a good girl or a good boy? We don't have to pretend to be perfect. There's no hoops to jump through or obstacles to overcome. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he shared with us, inviting us into this dance of community, service, and love. God loves us because he's loving. God is gracious towards us because he's gracious and he's generous. And this love that God shares with us, it frees us and it releases us and it empowers us to go out into this world to be more loving, 
to be more kind, to be more helpful, encouraging, and including people into this life that God created us for. God created us to share with us love, community, and service so that we can be in this world taking that community, that love, that service we've experienced in knowing him and sharing it with others. Here's what we know about God. God is three in one. He's one essence, but three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is for us. Jesus loves us, and the Holy Spirit is our guide and friend. When God created you and God created me, there was purpose and there was intention and there was plan. And he created us to share with us this community, this service, and this love that we might experience life that we've never experienced before. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would encourage us, strengthen our hearts, that this idea of thinking about you would help us draw nearer to you. I pray, Father, as we think about who you are in this relationship that you've shared with us, that we would be reminded of how loving, how kind, how good that you are. We would be thankful for all of the times that you've showed up generously for us in our lives. I pray, Father, that we would think about you in the kind of way that you being for us and loving us and guiding us would be the things that drive and connect us and help us keep going day after day.